Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. Well, uh, we had a little longer break than we anticipated. Sorry about that, y'all, but I am glad to be back. I am, too. I missed you guys. I missed you, too. And I'm really sad that we had to wait to talk about this movie. Me too. It's like <laughs> we've had delays before on terrible movies and I think we just miss each other, right? But this delay is like we missed each other and we really wanted to talk about this movie. Indeed. Before we jump into this movie, I am going to tell y'all that I am in Anthony's camp on Aladdin, the remake. It was awesome. Right? I loved it. How amazing was Will Smith? You know, he, play, he, he took the role of genie and he owned it. He made it his own. He was a Will Smith genie, not Will Smith trying to be Robin Williams. And it worked. I didn't feel like I missed the genie that I grew up with. No, it worked. And the little uh, hip-hop essence he brought to Friend Like Me was awesome and fit perfectly with that song. It did. I liked what they did. I liked all the music except for the new songs for Jasmine. They just, they, they needed... They needed a better composer. They needed a better writer. The, the lyrics and the music just did not match the, the, the feel and the vibe of the movie and the rest of the songs. But other than that, it was great. Yeah, they're way too modern. Really? I... Yep. Hmm. Having said that, Jasmine herself is an awesome character, though, in this film. I feel she like they made like her stronger film. than the animated film. I would hope so. I would really hope they made her stronger in this film. Really? I mean, I guess she was pretty strong for Disney. She was pretty strong back in the, the day. That's true, but she does get swoony after she's, I don't know. She was better than a lot of them. Was she? They were both, yeah. both in this movie, Jasmine and Aladdin are both cutie McCute faces, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Jafar Jafar caused a stir online as being like a lot of people were into him. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Entirely too cute for this movie. uh, He was the worst part of this movie, in my opinion. Was he really? So I haven't seen it yet, full disclosure. I want to see it soon. So this is just me taking trailer stuff. He was by far the weakest link. He's too cute. He's too young, and like he, his voice is way too high. Like he doesn't have that gravitas. He sounds like an obstinate child half of the time. Yes, like a spoiled teenager who you know. Although they did add some backstory to him, which I found interesting. Hmm. Well, I did too. It was definitely interesting, but it does not make up for his awful character. I think it made it more apparent that he wasn't who he should have been. Yep. Yeah. 
Speaking of remake movies, I know we posted this on social media, but for everyone else, apparently Disney has the bright idea to do yet another Home Alone. And, uh, a remake Anthony, of Home Alone. A remake, a not just another one. So here's the problem with that, right? What we're going to have is his parents are going to leave. They're going to get to the airport. He's going to wake up, call mom on her cell phone. Mom's going to remotely set the alarm, check the cameras, make sure nothing's going on. The bad guys are going to come. Their ring is going to detect them, dispatch the police, and they're going to get arrested. Yeah. We're, in a world, we're in a world where this context... You know he's going to use... Either we're in a world where he could just say, Alexa, turn on the lights. Siri, play this music and make it seem like people are home. Alexa, light this guy's hat on fire. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just... It's, we talked about it when we did, when we covered this movie but home alone just doesn't work the way today today the way it did back in the 90s we're in a different now, world now yeah having said that i would be okay with a sequel to the original two home alones that some very clever person came up with that went viral on social media uh that we shared on our facebook page for sure so check it out but basically what was the premise like his mom's home alone dad's dead because mom's a widow dad's dead kids are all over the country Mm -hmm. but i uh, particularly liked buzz's story he's in some trailer park right with his wife like betty or something he's basically cousin eddie yeah basically right (laughs) and then um is it is it kevin gets wind of something that's going to, oh the 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 sticky bandits have gotten out of prison right and have said they're going to go after kevin's mom no no, no. they say they're going after him kevin not knowing he moved away so kevin oh. but in la that's right so kevin goes on this road trip home to find his mom to save his mom while Except mom at home finds all his old booby trap plans I think would be hilarious because now that would be epic. Catherine O'Hara would be amazing doing that yeah, with Joe Pesci. And, yep. I so. like the idea of that. I think, I think it was me who proposed this online. Maybe I stole it from somebody else. And if so, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of it being Kevin's kids now. I like the idea. That I saw somebody saying that Kevin should be one of the new sticky pants. <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay Culkin probably looks more like a sticky or band. or in the remake at least if they're <laughs> remaking the original it would be funny to bring him back as one of the bandits it would be but I would rather keep Catherine O'Hara and I, I mean the whole cast really let's keep the whole cast although it's interesting because like even that plot line still wouldn't work nowadays right because why couldn't Kevin pick up a phone and call his mom and be like hey why don't you go to a hotel for a few days and uh, I'll meet you there? Why is he going to drive home? Why can't he fly? Maybe he's poor. Maybe, Maybe Kevin has a drug addiction. She had to like hitchhike across the country. Christmas traffic. That's I'm thinking true. maybe Kevin developed a drug addiction. No, and- that's completely unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> we, we mixed Kevin McAllister with Macaulay Culkin from... <laughs> Uh, party monster <laughs> question do y'all know what macaulay culkin's middle name is 
No. What? <laughs> he crowdsourced his middle name and said he would change it. And his, and his full name is Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. <laughs> I about lost it when I read that. You guys, know he has a podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but I feel like he's really? an interesting fellow. Like, I feel like his podcast would probably be... You know what? You know what? I'm going to reach out to Macaulay Culkin and see if we can get him on our podcast. You know what? Maybe he would. His name again? He does a lot. Huh? Let's say his name again. Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. (laughs) (laughs) His middle middle name is Macaulay Culkin. That's almost as good as when they crowdsourced the name of that boat and they named it Bodie McBoatface. (laughs) A bunch of Brits too. That's like American level idiot, you know, idiocracy. However you say that. Nope. I'm glad they did it though. I really am. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so when I reach out to him, I'm going to reach out to Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. <laughs> Please do that. <laughs> Maybe then he'd be more likely to answer because he knows you actually like follow mm-hmm. him and know things about him. Why well, you know do I? The guy just seems really freaking cool. <laughs> Like, I was sad when I was in town that he wasn't spinning anywhere. Like, he wasn't DJing anywhere. I wanted to go see him DJ. Tom, <laughs> next time you're in town, if he's DJing, we totally have to do that. Yeah, I know. He, I know. I, I would like to, to make that happen. Is that a thing he does? Yeah, yeah he, he, he DJs at clubs. Oh. In, yeah. As Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin? Or just as Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, like... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just I'm never gonna see his name different the same again. I always... he might not be approachable about coming onto our podcast because I remember when he was on Ellen a year or two ago and he's kind of sick of people coming up to him on the streets about home alone. Yeah. Well it doesn't have to be helpful. We can just get his take on Christmas movies as somebody who's done Christmas movies. Oh my god, how funny would it be to get his take on Home Alone Three, the first Home Alone movie without <laughs> oh my gosh that would be amazing but you know you mentioned aladdin you mentioned home alone we've covered the grinch Mm -hmm. we covered the remake of miracle on 34th street i'm noticing a trend here guys we're pretty harsh when remakes are announced and then uh we turn out to like them and maybe it's because our expectations are so low or maybe like we should learn to be a little more open-minded when we uh you know, hear this news. Yeah, you first. <laughs> Me first. Yeah, I know. Speaking <laughs> of remakes and Disney remakes in particular, they've released the first photo from the Lady and the Tramp remake, and they look, those dogs look spot on. They look adorable. They are super cute. I really I like they? the animated Lady and the Tramp, so I have feelings. <laughs> Speaking of so, having feelings about remakes. So that's I, one. Like the Jungle Book, I didn't like the Jungle Book animated one. I know, and I didn't like Lady and the Tramp animated. So I feel like, like with the Jungle Book, I might actually like this one better, just because I have no feelings for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, all those were like my Disney films. Mm -hmm. And I'll say by the way, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney film, followed by the Lion King, but Aladdin. What's the best of those three remakes? Interesting. 
Beauty and the Beast was was good. It just Aladdin was better. I agree with you. Aladdin was better. Well, I like that Aladdin wasn't just a shot by shot remake, whereas Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King were for the mm-hmm. most part. I haven't seen The Lion King yet, but um, Lion Beauty King was probably like almost like completely shot for shot, which you can see from the trailers too. Beauty and the Beast added some things, but Aladdin definitely like changed it up the most. There was another Christmas movie announced recently, which you also posted on social media, which I know you two are very excited for, and that is The Santa Chronicles 2, this time directed by Chris Columbus. Yes. I don't know where they're going to go with the story. I'm interested to see because I don't know that it left room for a true sequel, right? It felt like the whole movie was wrapped up, so I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it. Um, I'm sad we're not going to have it this year. We knew from uh, the name, right, that the Chronicles, like, there would be more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's a big surprise. I am, as somebody who thought the first one was merely okay, I'm excited Chris Columbus is directing the second one. But I'm curious to see if he can address some of the problems I had, because I feel a lot of my problems with the first one will carry over, like the L's. I hope I hope we can clean up the elves. I really do. I hope Goldie Hawn has a bigger role. She has to, right? Now that, that was like that was something they were just throwing in at the last minute to be fun for us. But no, that I I think they're gonna have to for sure. Hmm. It's coming out in tw- Christmas twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, that's here. We'll make sure to reserve a spot on the list when we're going over next year's schedule for that one. That's a missed opportunity, really, right? I mean, they should have they should have moved quicker on it, honestly, and had it out this year. I would rather take their time, make a better sequel, than rush it. Like Christmas Prince, they're just churning one out every year. Like, come on. Well, I don't yeah. want them to do that with a movie that, even though I didn't enjoy, was higher quality, obviously, than The Christmas Prince. You know, and I think it'll be better bringing a little Harry Potter love to the movie, too, right? Always. Harry Potter and Home Alone. hmm To bring it back. Man, All who's right. going to do this? Maybe John Williams will do the music. Awesome. I mean, I guess if nobody else signs up for it, I'll do it. <laughs> As long as you don't sing, I can get behind. <laughs> you haven't heard me play an instrument yet, Anthony. Remember, <laughs> I, got, I got kicked out of band in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's go and discuss our movie for tonight. Tonight we are watching the 2005 war film Joyeuse Noel. Um, and just as a quick storyline i'm taking this from kenneth chisel who wrote this on imdb during world war one in 1914 the bloodiest war ever at the time in human history was well underway however on christmas eve numerous sections of the western front called an informal and unauthorized truce where the various frontline soldiers of the conflict peacefully met each other in no man's land to share a precious pause in the carnage with the fleeting brotherhood This film dramatizes one such event as the French, Scottish, and German sides partake in the unique event, even though they are aware that their superiors will not tolerate its occurrence. This is a famous story that that we all know. Um, 
it's really interesting to see World War One depicted. World War One is one of the most, um, it's one of the hardest things for me to wrap my brains around because at the same time we have, we're still using bayonets, we still have cavalry using horses, we still have swords, we also have air raids and we're introducing the tanks. It's this, it's this time between where we go from the historically traditional way of war to introducing ways to kill large numbers of people with minimal effort in a short amount of time. So it's a very interesting time in human history. Um, I've, yeah. I've, the Christmas truce story, story, I say story in quotes, the Christmas truce, it is a story. It happened. Event. Event. Always fascinated me since I was very young, since uh, I always liked Snoopy versus the Red Baron, the song, because that's the Christmas truce, right? The, he lets him land during the war and uh, yep. fly off on his way. So as a child, that's a good way to, you know, dip your toe into that for the first time. It is. It is. Uh, I'm going to go through the cast real quick, uh, and then we'll hit our, our histories with it. This movie is written and directed by Christian Caron, um, who is a writer-director from the north of France. And this is really his biggest credit that he has. He's done a few other things, but nothing of, of note that, that I was familiar with at all. Um, finding the cast was difficult because we didn't really learn these people's names, but uh, most of them at least. Um, I'm going to start with Lieutenant uh, Hortschmeyer, the German, that's played by Daniel Bruhl, who was born in Barcelona. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. We've seen him in other things, like he's been in The Zookeeper's Wife. He was in Captain America's Civil War, uh, The Fifth Estate, Inglorious Bastards. Should we... He he will be in the Falcon and the winter soldier on Disney plus. He will be. He is also on, um, the born ultimatum two days in Paris. He's, he's had quite a few things to his credit. And in this film, he blew me away. Just seeing the inner conflict and turmoil that he had on his face throughout this entire film, just blew me away. While we're with the uh, Germans, let's talk about Nicholas Sprink, the man with the golden voice. Mm -hmm. um, he's played by Benno Fuhrman, who is, who is a German. He was in a movie called The Order with Heath Ledger, The Mutant Chronicles, Twice New Life. He was um, had a lot of smaller parts and did a lot of stuff in Germany that I'm not familiar with. He was in Speed Racer. Um, yeah, that was there's a lot of stuff. What's that? That was an awful movie. It was an awful movie. Uh, the Order. He, so he was in a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of German stuff that I'm not familiar with. So if we have any German listeners and I overlooked anything, please feel free to write in and let us know. His um, opposite, Anna Sorensen, was played by Diane Kruger. And um, Diane Kruger is also a, a native German. She was in Inglorious Bastards, National <laughs> Treasure series. She was on the TV show Fringe, which we talked about a little bit and we all loved. She's in the Kellyanne Conway story. She was in Fringe? She was. She had a small role. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, she Not was dating the male star at the time. Sorry. A Fringe? Yeah, she was dating Marty's lookalike. Uh, What's his face oh. from Dawson's Creek? Pacey? Uh, I don't know his name on the show. Pa I it's Pacey. Yeah, Pacey. That one, yes. 
<laughs> and uh, she was in a movie, she's in a TV miniseries called The Kellyanne Conway Story, which I'm sure none of us have watched, nor will we watch. <laughs> um, our French lieutenant, Le Lieutenant Albert, is played by uh, Guillaume Canet. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff as well that I'm not familiar with, um, a lot of foreign things. But one thing, he was in the French version of The Little Prince, which is a cartoon on... Um, that you can see on Netflix that is absolutely amazing. Yes, it is. And then he's been in a lot of, uh, of French stuff that I'm not familiar with, so. Um. We should have invited my Canadian wife to come on and read the French names. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> she can, uh, she, so you can let her listen to me butchering French since I haven't spoken French to anybody in I don't know how long. Steven Robertson plays, this, okay, the Scotsman who loses his brother. Is played by Stephen Robertson, who is uh, who is Scottish. He was in the movie Kingdom of Heaven. Did y'all see that movie? Yep. Uh-uh. He played one of the priests. That was a cool movie. He was in The Taurus with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp. He was in Survivor. He was in the Being Human series. Also in the short Ripper Street series. He did some quite a few little roles as well. And I uh, knew he was an Outlander. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's a Kenzie. That's fantastic. I haven't watched the show, but I've seen enough to know that. And a Scotsman that we all recognize was The Priest, played by Gary Lewis. He was in the movie Billy Elliot. Fabulous movie. He was in Valhalla Rising. He was in Gangs of New York. Another fabulous movie. <laughs> that movie just, I could watch that movie over and over again. It is so good. Yep. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. It's probably time for a rewatch. It's definitely not one to watch with the kiddo, but that's where I, you know, that's around the time where I started seeing Leonardo DiCaprio come out as a real actor. You know what I mean? Next time you go to New York on business, you should watch it with Ellie right before you leave and say, this is where I'm going on business, daughter. Oh, Lord. You know, that's an option. That's not. <laughs> uh, before we share our histories with this movie, um, my former college roommate and friend of mine texted me his, um, his little his his history with this movie and I, so I thought I'd share it. He went to see this here in Tulsa before he moved back to Houston in the movie theater and he was the only person in the theater and actually had to speak up when the someone from the theater came to make sure they weren't race, wasting electricity running this movie with nobody in the audience. Oh really? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I saw this movie right after it came out on DVD. I was really looking forward to it um, just because I, I knew about the Christmas truce and uh, it was a movie that hit me hard. It really did. Um, and we'll talk about some of that. Unfortunately, I think some of it may allude to, I'm going to warn anybody here, um, as, I'm, as I'm sharing thoughts and reflecting on this movie, some of the stuff may become um, political, and I apologize in advance for that, but I don't really know a way to talk about this movie with, while staying clear of that. And there may be, there's some uh, um, definite religious undertones in this movie that will be addressed as well on my part so if that's not your thing feel free to turn off um if it is hopefully i'll have some insight and give you something to think about but how about you julia um so i feel like i've i'd heard of this movie i've known about the event for quite some time um but this movie seemed familiar to me not that i'd seen it but that i'd seen the posters or the trailers or something like that so i was pretty excited to get to cover it and actually have a reason to watch it or I say I have a reason to force myself to sit down and watch a movie, which I will say thank you to the podcast for forcing me to do that at least once a week to sit down <laughs> and watch a movie. Um, 
And so it, I just, I watched it for the first time a week, week and a half, two weeks ago. And um, it was everything I hoped it would be. I was expecting a certain thing and it totally delivered on what I was expecting. So I, I really like this movie. That's awesome. How about you, Anthony? Yes, I've known about the Christmas truce for since I was a child, like I said a few minutes ago, the Snoopy songs. Uh, was my first intro to that. Um, but that was always one aspect of history that always fascinated me in general growing up. Um, I've heard about this movie and have heard only good things about this movie, uh, but I didn't watch it until a week ago today when we were originally supposed to record this episode. And uh, I really liked it. It was a beautiful, powerful film. Um, I will say, like, and we'll talk about this later on, I'm a little kind of, conf- like, it gave me all the Christmas feels, but I'm very, like, conflicted where to put it on the list, purely because part of it is rewatchability to me, and I don't know what the rewatchability factor is for me, but that's something we can talk about later. I will say this movie's not on my, my Christmas canon for every year, but I watch it regularly. I really do. So... The movie, I want to talk real quick before we jump into like the, the bulk of the movie, which is is being on the front lines. And I was really amazed. So this movie opens and we see different children talking about other races. So we have, and the, the, the most disturbing thing to me was hearing the, um, the little British boy reading about wiping all the Germans and Hun off the planet, killing the women, killing the children, because you have to uproot them from the, you have to uproot them completely. I mean, like that is, just hearing a child say that, Mm-hmm. And maybe part of it is that it was in our language because the um, like when the German child speaks and we're reading it, it just didn't have the same feeling. But man, that that level of and you know they're reading quotes. This isn't stuff that the kids are just thinking on their own. This is stuff that people have actually said and and purported. And just the idea of this hatred of quote unquote the other. The idea you know as we're we're preparing for war and we're in war, we have to dehumanize people. Um, we have to take away their humanity in order to to do what it is that you have to do is really a, it's a, it's a tragedy to watch. Um, and sadly very relevant to current affairs. It is just as in here, they're talking about, you know, um, the thing that, and that's where I was saying, I, I unfortunately I'm going to get political. We, but then we go to the Scottish church and we see this priest and a young man getting ready for service. They're lighting candles and the young man's brother comes in and he's, he's over the moon ecstatic that war has been declared with Germany and they're going to go fight. They're all enlisting and, and they're going to go. And you just see this, this weight on the priest's face um, that I think is something that it's a big difference between a young man and a more mature man, right? Young man is excited about the prospect of war. He's got these like grand ideas, but um, as someone who has lived longer and had more time to reflect on life and the triviality of things like war and, and taking human life, this is a lot more weighty for the priest. And uh, as the door closes to the church and those candles go out, that was just a really moving scene to me. Very mm-hmm. powerful image. It was, mm-hmm. it was. And the, what, what's great about this, you see this priest is truly a, a pastor. He's truly a shepherd of his flock because he as well enlists to go and wants to be there next to his parishioners as they're fighting to be there for, for them to over, to look, watch over them and to, to look after their spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved the character of the priest and I loved the Latin mass he did later on in the film. Mm-hmm. I thought you know, that was during the Christmas truce. Yeah. The, the 
priest did Latin mass and um, the purpose of it being in Latin was definitely not lost. It was something that all of the, cause he's, he's actually, um, anyway, he does this Latin mass and it's something that everybody there, the French, the Germans and the Scottish can all relate to. And it brings everybody together in a very real way. Yeah. It was a very emotional scene for me. That was probably one of my favorite scenes in the film though. I just thought it was so beautiful. So we've got these three, these three camps. We're following these three camps during war. We're following um, the German with a very German commander. <laughs> just no nonsense, very stern. Um, you've got the French with a, the, the first time we see the French lieutenant who's leading this team, he is scared out of his pants alone and he wretches everywhere before he goes out and starts commanding the troops. He's, he's not wanting to be here. And we see his, we see his resolve faltering, but he does what he's got to do. And then we have the, uh, the Scottish and um, first, first of all, to, to lighten the mood a little bit, I just have to say in world war one and world war two Germans by far have the best uniforms. <laughs> they look the sharpest. I don't know if you know this or not, but the uh, some of the uh, German military uniforms in World War II were designed by Hugo Boss. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and, and I, <laughs> I've got to say, I never heard somebody start a sentence to lighten the mood a little bit in World War One and World War Two. <laughs> yeah, um, Hugo Boss joined the Nazi Party in. Uh, 1931, two years before Hitler ascended. Wow. Yep, and uh, he designed uniforms for the Nazi and I believe the SS, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Huh. It's remarkable his career produced- survived after World War II. I was about to say, he's still popular like today, that brand. Like, very weird. Some of the French and Polish soldiers or prisoners of war were forced to do labor to make the, uh, the black SS uniforms they had and uh, the uh, brown shirts that the kids wore and the brown and black uniforms of the Hitler youth were all designed by Hugo Boss. Well. Just one of the reasons I don't buy Hugo Boss stuff. I can imagine. I have to go throw out some clothing after this episode. <laughs> uh, throwing it out throwing out is pointless. At that point, you've just given them your money and you have nothing to show for it. Don't be like the Republicans who do fake boycotts. I already threw out my Nikes, though. <laughs> I'll cut all that out. Don't worry. <laughs> so I don't know, y'all. I don't know the best way to tackle having this talking about this movie because um, we going point by point doesn't really do it justice. Um, it'd be a really boring episode for people. So I think maybe we just start talking about how this story developed and uh, what stuck out in our minds. Um. I really liked, what's her name, Anna? Yeah. Anna's resolve when, when she wants to get her husband back for one night. She goes all the way to the to the prince um, in Germany to get his permission to bring her husband, Nicholas Sprink, back. These, they're uh, apparently a very um, famous German singing couple, and their voices are amazing. So after they perform, she thinks her husband's going to stay with her. Um, but he insists that he has to go back that night to raise morale and sing for his for the other troops. And so he sneaks her back with him. Uh, German commanding officer there is not happy about this, but he finally agrees. 
he starts singing and that's really um i don't know if it's true or not in the story uh, or in the, the event that actually happened but this is what brings everybody together he stands up uh, in the trenches and sings loudly for all of the um other troops to hear the scottish folks then start playing the bagpipes and they all they all from their distance start coming together um, in this shared um, celebration of the the birth of christ I thought, also speaking of the music all the music in this film was like i liked the song choices i thought it was very like hauntingly beautiful all the renditions they chose and everything like that like the um what was it silent night yep and the traditional uh all the saying all the lang sin all lang sign all lang sign uh very famous uh scottish song yep. from robert burns yep mm-hmm. the scots are very proud of that song yes they are it's not very good but they love it oh I love that song. it's good <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're the worst. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like the uh, the I met my lover in the grocery store version of it much more. Was that? Oh, the the trees the Germans brought to the front line. I hope that's true. Let me just ask the Googles. Hold, please. I cannot spell this word right to save my life. Show sure enough. It is true. They did. They had their they had their Christmas trees along the parapets of their trenches. Oh, oh that's awesome. The tinsel. And yeah. the candles. And the, the legit candles. fire the legit fire hazard. Oh, yes. but every time you see one of those trees in like an old movie with the candles, don't you wish like you could still do that? Yeah, absolutely. So you know one scene that hit me hard what's that was when uh it was i'm just gonna jump to the end when uh they can't see their families on the way home or through germany as punishment oh yeah that was heartbreaking mm-hmm. like but to flip it them singing on the train was like yeah i mean just another linus moment <laughs> <laughs> And so the music is beautiful, right? And some of the scene settings are beautiful. But like in general, this movie is gorgeous. The colors, but kind of the the dampened colors on most of the things. Um, And the way the snow is when they're digging those graves that day, that's just an awful, terrible scene. But the way it looks from that bird's eye view with the dark earth and the white snow. and I mean, this movie is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, the cinematographer was like incredible. Yeah. He contributed more than 60 films since 1975, including No Man's Land and The Eighth Day. So it's funny that he, well, not funny, he did No Man's Land, which is another um, you know, movie. Truce yep. movie. This truce, though, is great. And the acting is just beyond amazing how hesitant everybody is to believe this is really happening as they come mm-hmm. together and what we see is the that going back to what we had mentioned earlier about the need to dehumanize to our enemies they they can't just go back to fighting right afterwards um, 
they're having problems knowing that their friends are going to die, right? That these people that they befriended and they found these, this camaraderie among these, um, among these supposed enemies. So when there's, when the, the Germans um, hear that they're about to be air raids on the, the Scottish, he goes, or the French, he goes and tells the other commanding officers and brings them into their trenches. And then the others are like, you know, we're going to retaliate and do the same thing. So they all go to the other side. It's just, mm-hmm. it's great. But then we have these new commanders come in and everybody's in trouble for what they've done. I mean, um, in serious trouble. And as a result, uh, we see the, the Scottish commanding officer as one of the, the, what they think is a German comes out of the German trenches um, and it's crossing no man's land. He's yelling, kill the kraut, kill the kraut, kill the kraut. Again, he's a kraut, not a human being. He's this other, this other that we've, this, this construct of another that we've, we've created that will enable us to, to take this man out, which is just terrible. It's similar language we use for immigrants now so that we would dehumanize these people. But, um, and he, he gets shot. And we later learned that he was really a French soldier. Ponchel, who was helped by the Germans to go see his mother. And when he mm-hmm. comes back, he's killed. Um, which I think is a really powerful, again, I don't know if that really happened, but it's a, it gives us this powerful idea that we don't even know who we're shooting at or what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that stuck with me during all the truce scenes in general, this idea that even in these nicer scenes in the movie, we'll call them, just the knowing for they know it's going to end how it's going to end. <laughs> we know how it's going to end. Like you're still on edge during these scenes a bit as nice yep. and as beautiful and heartwarming as they were at times. Like there was always an undercurrent, uh, like you said, Tom of, um, yeah, you know, it's how it's going to end. It's yep. not going to last. Absolutely. One of my least favorite scenes that, I, that of the whole thing was um, when the bishop comes. Oh, that is the villain of this movie. I wanted to kill that guy. <laughs> they are but, Anglican. They are yes. Anglican. So for him okay. to have done Latin mass was an even bigger deal. So it does say they were Anglican. I guess I should have known because the bishop was obviously an Anglican bishop. But um, he comes and, and starts abusing scripture. Um, he argues that Jesus did not come to bring peace but the sword and then goes in and... Um, uses this violent rhetoric that is contrary to um, that it's just a complete antithetical view of of Christianity and that's again um, unfortunately today we see Christianity being manipulated for political purposes and it's really upsetting to watch and it's really upsetting to hear this priest we see all religions manipulated for political purposes nowadays we do we do I don't see a lot of Judaism being done that way though no but Islam for example yeah yeah but what we see here is we see this priest who did this beautiful act and he's, he's arguing. He's like, no, what I did was right. What I needed, what I did was I brought these people together. We served communion. I met people as Christ would have wanted to people from all walks of life. Um, and the, um, the Bishop has none of it. He's just absolutely, as Julie said, he's evil. He is very evil. And um, we see this, this moving scene where as the priest is leaving, he removes his cross and walks away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he sees a loss in his faith, but he's definitely lost faith in his hierarchy. And, and if this is what 
if this is what they're going to preach and this is what they're going to use the name of Christ for, he's out. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a really bold, bold scene. Mm-hmm. I like the end when the French lieutenant is um, getting in trouble from his father, you know, where his father's really coming down on him. His father's one of his superior officers. He says, we have more in common with the German soldiers than with the French politicians that are sending us here to war. It's just amazing. I mean, I don't know this whole, the criticism of those who are not on the fr- front making these decisions and, and that we see, I mean, like when we're in, when um, Sprink and Anna go back to Germany to perform, there's this big poll and, and Sprink is having a hard time because it's like, you know, these people, you would looking around, you wouldn't even know that, that, that there's war. And these are the ones, these are the people who are sending us to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just beautiful. Yep. It's a, it's not, be- that's not beautiful that, that that's happening. It's beautiful the way they depict that for us, that we see um, the us versus them isn't really who's fighting in war. It's those who are being put on the front lines and being shot at and being killed versus those who are living this really great life and acting like the war is not anywhere near them. Yeah. The director does an exceptional job in this movie, driving the main point home, right? That, that regardless of what, trench you're in or uniform you're wearing that we're all humans and I like how he he's real persistent with that point from the get-go to the very end of the movie um I like the cat that's drawn between the two trenches right so we have a French and a German soldier that both love this cat very much and they call this cat back and forth and they argue about what the cat's name is and who does he love more um I like how when they first come into no man's land, the first thing they do is they start to compare the pictures of their wives and their family. Yep. Um, I like how that echoes into the end. Like you were talking about Tom, about the French commander and his dad and his dad is furious until the French commander talks about his son, Henry, that he has a son and that by virtue his dad has a grandson and his name's Henry and that stops his dad from berating him. And it's like, they connect on, I mean, this one truth, right. That we're all humans and we have these things we're fighting for or these things that are important to us. And they all have that. And mm-hmm. so what puts them in a higher place than, you know, what gives them the right to kill and take that away when they've got the same thing that they're losing. And, um, I just, and that's the point of the movie and the way that he does it is so light handed, but it's so over every single second of this movie as well. Yep. It's a definite criticism of war in general while celebrating the humanity that was found in this, in war. You gotta remember, I mean, the trenches that these people were fighting in was something that was, has never been seen before or after. I mean, we have not seen trench warfare like this. I mean, these people are, in trenches the way they would have been before, but now we have machine guns. As we see the, the, the was it the French running into the German? Um, yeah, it was the French running into the German trenches and they get just get mowed down. I mean, that was, that was what happened in these trenches. It's, it was an awful, I mean, this was, this was described as hell by countless writers at the time. You, you mentioned the f- comparing photographs, Julia. I loved when the German soldier gave the French guy his wallet back that he lost. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! I mm-hmm. loved that scene, that part. Mm-hmm. All the feels, mm-hmm. the French lieutenant's face. Mm-hmm. Got this one piece of home there with him on the on the fronts. 
Yep, with his wife, the picture of his wife inside of it. I loved yep. it. I did. I also appreciated to keep it from becoming too saccharine, right? Because, I mean, it's reality too, right? That not everybody responds to situations in the same way as much as we want to think that they do. Um, the young brother from the beginning of the movie from, yeah, from Scotland. <laughs> Anthony's nodding his head too, so <laughs> one um he has the hardest time in this movie he can't recover he can't see eye to eye he remains secluded for all of the camaraderie and the the truce part he he sections himself away because his brother was killed and he takes this great care to bury him and he feels responsible for his death because he left his body there and um he never recovers not ever mm-hmm. um he doesn't participate in the truce and i mean it's tragic it's a different well, kind of was he the one that, that shot that first, that killed the French soldier dressed as the German? He was the one that pulled the trigger, right? I think so. Ponchel. I think he's yeah. the one that killed Ponchel. He's the one that killed Ponchel. He's the one that, that he hated. The, he still had so much hatred for the Germans that he couldn't let go. Yeah. And it's that hatred. And you can, I mean, it's, it's clear. It's that hatred that just eats them from the inside out. And that's also telling of war, right? It's, not just the drive to have to kill the people on the other line, but what happens to some people that they have the need and then the desire and that desperation to kill people on the other line. Hmm. It's just, that part was just very, very sad. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking. It really and was. to see what that did to the priest as well. The main um, priest character uh, from the Scottish side to see how he, reacted to that as well you know because you can see his whole story at the very beginning like you said he's jaded from the get-go because he knows what war is like and it's not something to be excited about and so for him to watch that young boy and how that happened to him you could tell it affected him as well yep so can i share a quick story by one of our listeners i'd love it if you did so this comment comes from disco 54 whose name you hear a lot on this show. And he wrote on Reddit, last year was 100 years since the end of World War I, and as part of the commemorations on 11-11 in the UK and all big cities, there are groups of young men dressed in accurate World War I uniforms, standing silently. If you tried to talk to them, all they did was give you a card with the name of a soldier, his regiment, which battle he died in, and it was really poignant. Some things we shouldn't forget. Oh, that is amazing. (laughs) Yes. He said, um, he said it was really disconcerting. I came out of work and there's a platoon of them just stood silently. I'd forgotten it was that day. It was going to, I'd forgotten it was that day it was going to happen. And it's quite something to find yourself with that snapshot of the past. Like you say, it was really powerful. Oh, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. (laughs) But I mean, like he said, some things we shouldn't forget. So I think that's awesome. They did that, like just handing out cards with the names of the men who died and their regiment number. Right. Yep, that's beautiful. What's the saying? If we don't remember our past, we're doomed to repeat it. Something yep. like that. If we don't learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat something like that. Yeah, I know exactly. I like that saying. This isn't the kind of movie that lends itself to a lot of, like favorite scenes because I feel weird saying that they're my favorite scenes. You know what I mean? Like these were pretty, uh, a lot of this was really tough to watch. And I feel like in a, 
I honestly feel an emotional drain after I see this movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed looking up like critics reviews of this film and it it's good got has a good reviews. It's certified fresh at seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which again we don't take stock in. But it's just again a lot of critics, one of the common not complaints. Yeah, complaints they have about this movie is it's a little too saccharine, like Julia was saying, like a little too uh shallow in their depictions of how the Christmas truce probably actually went down with these people. Yeah, I saw some critics talking about the introduction of the opera singer, specifically Mm -hmm. the the woman, because who knows the guy very well could have, there could have been an opera singer, that that was superfluous. Mm -hmm. It was, but it was beautiful as well. It got us some pretty music. Right. I I mean, like, I I get that I get the criticism about it being too shallow in that regard, shallow in quotes, but um, I, I think that was what I think the director was going for, you know, this message of anti-war, goodwill toward men type uh, Christmas think, message. And he, I don't think he could have really achieved it if he really got a little more nuanced with it. Yeah. I say huzzah to the director. Yeah. Don't let the don't let the man get you down. I mean, it, it's a Christmas story, and he it embodies a Christmas story to me. Hundred percent. I think uh, to quote Disco Fifty Four again, he loves his film, but it's a hard watch, and I'll stay with you afterwards. It also may not be the most Christmassy of films on the list, but never did the phrase "goodwill to all men" apply more than it does here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie equally made me feel like so restored in humanity and like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) such conflicting feelings, right? Yep. More hope than anything, I would say, Um, because, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a light on a hill. It's, it's, it's light in the darkness is always, I'll always go for those in movies. Um, And this was that, but. Yeah, it's heavy, but the message is, I greatly applaud the message. Yep. So just to give you all a follow-up to what came later, um, I I can't say all sides, but I know multiple sides of this, of the, of the, uh, of World War One um, issued official proclamations that there were to be no more Christmas truce. And um, in several places, um, both sides of the military or both sides of the battle were told that they had to do full on assaults in 1915 to ensure that this couldn't happen again. So. Well, I'm glad the Christmas truce gave us a real life Linus moment and a Linus moment in this film. Mm -hmm. So. Do we even need to ask if there is a Linus moment or if this is a Christmas movie? I think it's full of Linus moments. Yeah. The whole thing is a Linus moment. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably the most beautiful Linus moment we've seen mm-hmm. since the onset of this of this podcast. Yep. I want you to say that to Linus's face when we revisit the peanuts one. I'm I joking. think Linus, I think Linus would agree with me though, right? <laughs> I think he would. He definitely would. <laughs> 
Although one one could argue the nativity story may have a <laughs> that's what Linus says the Linus moment is. <laughs> Goodwill towards men. Yep. So rating this movie, I've given a lot of thought to this over the last week and a half. Um, and I am just going to come out of the box with a solid 10. Ooh. Nice. This movie is so incredibly moving um, and encapsulates everything that we are going for in a Christmas film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You'll be surprised, to, not surprised to hear I've given no thought to my... <laughs> I haven't looked at the list in this past week and a half. I've given thought to how I would score this. Wow. If you had actually looked at it, that in and of itself would be a Christmas miracle. You're so funny. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you a Christmas truce and play nice now, Anthony. <laughs> I'm coming in at a 9.5, which is exactly what I gave the nativity story. Because I am actually placing this one in importance of story right up there because one mm-hmm. kind of embodies the other to me. absolutely i gave the nativity story five point i know y'all ranked that one way lower than i did but i got as many feels from this as i got from that and i got all the feels well i definitely got more, I got feels more. from the nativity story <laughs> oh i got more feels from this <laughs> So, and this is and this is where it gets tough. All right, listeners, we're going to go ahead and uh, go to a commercial break. We'll be back (laughs) after this word from our all of our sponsors. You're so funny. I need to see what I gave you. You know what, guys. Don't pretend this doesn't add some charm to your nights every time I take 20 minutes. It does. It gives me a great reason to make fun of you, so it's definitely worth it. It does add charm. I like listening to episodes, and it's always hilarious to me when it gets to this part. And one of us has some, usually it's you and me, right, where we're like, oh, I have no idea what I haven't looked at this all week long. Hey, I don't need to look at it. I'm a great. I'm a definitive guy who makes decisions quickly. I'm not at all. And only one of them on here do I regret much. The star. Ellie loves, Ellie loves, quote, on your deathbed. Ellie loves, quote, the donkey movie, and we watch it all the time. The donkey movie. The donkey movie. Say no, honey. That's Glenn. She loves Bo. Okay, okay. Okay, I gave... It's another one of my favorite things is the grunts and groans and, oh, I don't... What did I... Where did I... Oh, I ranked it that. (laughs) It's like your little diatribe in the background. I love it. Okay, so so this is is very hard for me. I I, I I, I liked the nativity story better. And I gave the Nativity story a 5.9. And I think I graded it that low for some of the same reasons, which was the rewatchability factor, which plays a lot for me. 
Well, I think you also criticized Mary's acting for good reason, right? Like there was some acting that was lacking and the acting in this movie didn't seem lacking to me in the same way. You know what I mean? And there's a language barrier and that's fine, but. The historical inaccuracies found in Nativity Story. Yeah. It could have been easily corrected had they tried. I I do want to stress (laughs) I thought this movie was good and powerful and it gave me all the feels I'm just going to tell you if you give this if you you go low on this you're going to regret it however I can't give it above the nativity story so I'm going to come in (laughs) And I'll get the hate mail this week. You know, it seems to rotate between me and Tom all the time. I think Julia only got dinged once, and that was for a Christmas story. But uh, I'm going to give it a. Oh, I'm going to give it a. <laughs> Tom's Christmas truce with me is about to end. I'm, I'm going to give it a 5.5. Okay, let's just talk about this right now. I'm going to okay. go through other movies right now. Okay? Wait, 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 wait. No, wait, wait. No, if you, no, want, no, if you no, want to try no, to change no. my mind, feel free. I do. I okay, really, so really I will do. remove that score for a say, You are going to say that Disney's A Christmas Carol. Uh, I mean, the animation's poor. Jim Carrey wasn't that great. Um, <laughs> you, you say all that in retrospect. You, you gave it a low score, but you listened to that episode. You were not hating on the film that much. Um, so you're going to say that this is, that, that movie is better. Okay. What did you say you gave it? Hold on. What'd you give, what are you giving it? Say it again. I said a 5.5. What, what? You're giving it the same as the nine lives of Christmas. You're going to say a movie that embodies, Ooh, that, embodies the, that embodies one of the most <laughs> beautiful moments we have of military history at which people come together and they put aside their differences the fact that these people were literally just trying to kill each other and they are so moved by the birth of Christ that they lay down arms and come together and join in camaraderie and celebrate the divine Eucharist together as one body is as good as a cat Christmas movie. It was a stupid movie. You're going to tell no, no, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. You're going to say that this movie about the Christmas truce, the amazing acting, the, the cinematography that was out of this world, the music is equal to Daddy's Home 2? <laughs> freaking kidding me. Anthony, you're going to get hate mail this week from me because... <laughs> Tom's literally going to put in all the social media posts that Anthony... <laughs> <laughs> Can I make you my- are gonna put this movie below Krampus? I love a Krampus. movie where that's, so- that's the only one I do not feel bad about on that list that you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make my rebuttal now, please? I'm sure it's gonna Absolutely. be absolutely. Thank you, Julia. Stupid Thank you. We're gonna listen. I'm not gonna lie. You can't convince me that you're right. I'm not trying to convince you that I'm right. I will say. In my defense, I think we can all recognize, all recognize there are movies throughout cinematic history that 
by all accounts and purposes should be five stars, tens, you know, they're beautiful, they're well acted, whatever, but there's something about it, whether it's the length, whether it's the story that just you don't, for you personally, it doesn't have a factor. Like, let's face it, we all like certain crappier movies and some of these amazing classics out there. So I am not denying to your point, Tom, that I'm not like undercutting it, this movie's merits. It's the acting, the cinematography, the story, whatever. But for me, this just does, I does not have that rewatch. I don't know if I will ever revisit this film. It was powerful. It moved me. But I think this is one of those films where one time is enough. Hey, your list and, is your list. I fully and, support that. And the height of every film can be daddy's home too. I guess that's what we got to aspire for now in life. <laughs> well, we need- you know what? In the height of the Christmas season, you're talking like December 20th on TV. I probably am more likely, as much as I rail against Hallmark movies, to have one of those on in the background than something this serious. <laughs> I would. I'm not going to say I'm angry, Anthony. I don't want you to think I'm angry, but I am disappointed in choices that you made. I am so disappointed in the person that you choose to be, Anthony. I was about to say you should have done the office quote, then you came out with it. I hate <laughs> so much about the things. The, per- the person that you choose to be. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> um, so no, I'm going with the office. Anyway. With my 5.5, that gives this film an average of an 8.33, which allows it to squeak into our top 10 and tie for number 10 with TLC's A Secret Santa at 8.33. That's got to make you happy, right? Top 10? Tom? (laughs) I don't know that happy is a word that can describe how I'm going to feel tonight. Can I ask you, Tom, what number 10 is this for you? Was this your second 10 or you on the film list? I think this was your second 10. This was number two. Yep, <laughs> only number two. I'm so sorry, Tom. That's okay. I gave one of your number twos a 1.2. One of your number 10s a 1.25. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I think that, that we would have had some real problems as a, as a team if one of you had ranked this closer to like Christmas at Graceland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, I still can't believe we had to watch that abomination. Yeah, that was real. Guys, I'm not looking forward to Monday when this goes live and I get all the hate mail. Oh, I am. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be the one inciting. Well, it. yeah, all the hate mail is going to be coming from Tom. So yeah, Tom's going to be creating fake Reddit accounts and posting all these horrible comments. Oh, no, I'm just going to be anybody who, anybody who criticizes you on Monday gets Reddit gold. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to create a new category on our a new uh, award where we can go with gold in our subreddit just for people who send in hate mail about this for Anthony. Oh my gosh. So, one last thing I want to say speaking of Reddit, um, apparently there's a novel about the Christmas truce that Disco 54 reads every year or that references an event called The Last Train Home by Tony Wilson. It's well worth a look. It's a really great. So, if you're looking for Christmas novels in your life, people, check that one out. 
So guys, you may have seen this on social media, but the Burr months are coming very quickly because we will literally get a taste of the Burr months come August 27th when Starbucks releases their pumpkin spice latte for the year. So I'm going to be the, the stick in the mud that I usually rail against. I can't get anything when it's this freaking hot. Yeah. It I can't either. We did have another listener say that on Twitter. D Spoon. I forget her full name now, but she's, she comments a lot. She's a very active listener. She said she'll get more excited when there's a little chill in the air. But the fact that they're releasing it means we're getting close. And that's what made me very happy to see that. Absolutely. That's exciting. It is. So Anthony, does Starbucks follow the same model where it gets earlier every year that they release it? Or is that kind of a set? So this is the earliest they've ever released it. And I think Dunkin' Donuts is actually doing theirs earlier. Um, But I mean, that's not the same. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited. The Christmas creep is a real thing because all the other seasons and holidays are now creeping up earlier too to get some more time in. That's right. There's only one I care about, y'all. Oh, I like the whole season. I just want all the Christmas things. Mm -hmm. I saw somebody post online a ridiculous thing that it's only X number of days until it's appropriate to put up your Christmas tree. And I replied, there's no such thing. It's not appropriate time to put up your Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, going back to the reviews real quick, I have Christmas giveaways to anyone who wants to leave us a review. So if you leave us a review within the next month, should we give it a month? Before mid-September, September 15th. Before September 15th, you will be entered to win some awesome Christmas thing that will remain a surprise until then. <laughs> I do have a bunch of Christmas stuff I picked up last year, just like Julia did, to give away. So, I don't know which one I'm going to send out yet, but if you leave us a review, you'll be entered to win it. So leave us a review on iTunes because every review helps us new listeners to find the podcast and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. And if I you- did not buy stuff, but I will go ahead and say that I'll design a Christmas sticker for everybody who gets um, their review in before September 15th. So there you go. You'll all get a free Christmas sticker. It is the podcast sticker. And you'll all be entered to win a Christmas prize. And for anyone who's already left us a review in the past, uh, I don't know, share us on social media or something. And if you can prove you shared our page, I'll enter you into the contest too. Sweet. You know what? If, you'll, if you haven't reviewed us on Facebook or yet, if you do a Facebook review, I'll send you a sticker too. There you go. Anthony and I are just going to keep one-upping each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what until we're like. until we're at the uh the oprah bees moment <laughs> if, you, if, if you give us a review on every single place you find this podcast i'll give you a tour of new york at christmas julie you want to tell us what our next couple of movies are so coming up in the next few weeks we've got some very exciting stuff to keep your summer rolling towards christmas next week we are going to venture back in the superhero space and we will be watching just this past year's release of shazam 
Is it a Christmas movie? Is it just a superhero movie? Does it have a super hot guy in it? Yes, it does. I don't know about the other two answers to the questions, but I'm excited about the third one. So I'll be back next week to talk about it. (laughs) And the week after that, pinch yourselves because we will have been doing this podcast for two years. Coming up in two weeks. It's insane. So we will be having a second anniversary special show where I don't know what we're going to do. None of us know what we're going to do yet, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So you need to join us for it, especially you guys that have been around for two years and have seen how far we've come. Leave us which a, is like a long way. Don't we have a voice now? If you've done, if you've, if you'd like to get um, on our podcast, you can dial into us at 918-200-9220. Leave a message and we'll include your message on our two-year anniversary. Just let us know what you think about the podcast, your favorite podcast moment or memory or why you like listening to the podcast or anything tis the podcast related we'll get you on our we'll put your lovely voice on our on our episode and send you out to the ends of the earth and your favorite christmas movie or special like what's yours what would be your top one on your list i Um, love when we hear our listeners voices can i just say those are some of my favorite episodes me too like last year's anniversary episode. Yes. Tom, it came up in my Facebook memories today that me and Julia have been friends on Facebook for two years. So two years ago, we were crafting this baby, the three of us. My heart is so yes, happy, we y'all. <laughs> Can't, that flew by. That really freaking did. Yes. Let me it's just a wee lamb two years ago. Just a wee lamb with no outline, as you can listen <laughs> to the early episodes. Oh, I had pages of notes. I had pages of notes. All right, y'all. You know what your homework is. Do it before next week. And keep in mind, there are only 3,072 hours until Christmas. Which is only 128 days. That's only 18 weeks. <laughs> Holy crap. That's crazy. That's crazy. Have a great week, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye. you're gonna buy my chicken oh that's all i thought when he said that oh i hated the colonel with his wee beady eyes and that smug look on his face oh, you're gonna buy my chicken oh